millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello one and all and welcome to Behind the Glass. This is the F1 special series that still doesn't have a name. We've had like two weeks for you to come up with a name. I know, but you I could have at least I text have me. Genuinely been busy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't, so you could have at least put that job on me. You never are, as proven by the fact you have returned. Yes, I've Paul returned. Wallace is here once again. I'm actually going to say by popular demand. That's, that's thank you very much. Shocking. <laughs> uh, if you don't know, uh, Paul joined me a couple of weeks ago for our season preview here on the sort of F1 series. This is a new series dedicated to Formula One, where I get to just nerd out and talk about the sport that I love. And the plan was, slash is, to have rotating guests. So each episode, uh, somebody else will join me to talk about the world of F1. Um, but, but Paul is back because, well, firstly, a lot of you seem to enjoy our chat for the season preview. Um, but also, he's the only person still constantly available. <laughs> I might just come up with different disguises every week. Put a different this out- is now Pablo. <laughs> no, we probably need to change the name a little bit more. Fair enough. Yeah, Paul no. Pablo. I'm not very good at that sort of undercover spy life. But anyway, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you for coming and joining me. Um, so yes, just to recap once again, to make it clear, this is not a replacement to the usual episodes I would do with Tony here on the Behind the Glass podcast. They still come out every single week. This is in addition to that. And essentially, they're race reaction podcast. So after each race of the 2021 Formula One season, uh, we'll be reacting to what happened in the race. And this is the first time we get to do that because the first race of the season just happened and oh my God. It has been less than 24 hours since that checkered flag has dropped. Oh. And I've not stopped talking about it. I've not stopped looking at social media. I've I've not stopped looking at comments. It has been one of the most talked about season openers that we've had for so many good reasons. <laughs> yeah, but you're so right. And you know what? Thank God it lived up to the hype because I don't know if you were watching the Sky F1 coverage, but <laughs> at one point I was like, these guys need to rein it in because their hype train was choo-choo, like on the way. Every single session, like, oh my God, guys, this is it. Verstappen is, oh my God. And I was like, can we just calm down? But but fair play, it lived up to all their hype. It delivered. Wasn't it um, Q1 that we had in qualifying where Sonoda went P2 and all of a sudden, like everyone dropped the rule book. It was like, we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> We're Max- just confused now. <laughs> then Max went... 0.024 seconds quicker than Lewis in Q3, round one. Round one. And then, obviously, Lewis went faster, and then Max dominated. <laughs> As he did all weekend. But there was the bit that I liked. I think it was the first round of Q3 where Lewis and Max were six tenths, seven tenths ahead of the rest of the field. Yeah. And that was the first inkling where it was sort of coming to fruition that these two were going to go on to another level this season. Mm. You know, Red Bull looking quick out of the blocks for the first time in a long time. Mercedes potentially on a little bit of a back foot means that we've got sort of level playing field, we think, between Hamilton and Verstappen. Uh, and Hamilton is therefore going to have to up his game to, to make sure he stays on top. And Verstappen is going to get elbows out to defeat the outgoing seven-time <laughs> or potentially outgoing. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I got ahead of myself there with some of the predictions I'm going to be making. But yeah, very, very juicy. And I think, you know, this 
without sort of, you know, just going over all the exciting points too much, I think the best way to do this is to basically go through the running order or the finishing order in reverse order. Okay. So starting from the back, and we'll just kind of analyze each driver, the team, and then any kind of key moments right. across the weekend. Let's do that. So obviously we've got to start off with... Nikita Mazaspin. Oh, yeah, I thought he had a great race. Uh, I think Come he, on. He took, he took that corner really well. He's got a really bright future ahead of him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we touched on it in the season preview. I mean, this guy, he, he's not well liked within the sort of F1 fan community. <laughs> um, he's not done a lot of favours for himself. <laughs> has spent most of the weekend spinning. I mean, I think in every session, maybe yeah. he spun. Now, the only thing I will say is that there is the potential that that has is uh, a nightmare to drive because it was then the th- the next corner along when Schumacher almost had the identical moment. Where yeah, it's clearly a handful. Haas have come forward and basically said they're not developing it. They're putting everything into 2022. If you watch Drive to Survive, you'll know that Gene Haas has essentially said, I don't want to spend any money here anymore. Get some sponsors in. So it, it's not going to be a good year for them. And we're going to come and on to it when we speak about Schumacher. They're not experienced. And that's the other thing, you know, th- these are two rookies for the sport and there's so much for them to learn. And the thing is, is whilst I mentioned that I don't think Schumacher has been the most convincing F2 champion ever, and he's now in a Formula One seat, Mazepin's not even the most convincing F2 <laughs> racer ever. I mean, you know, so it's a lot to expect from these guys, but it, because he doesn't hold himself well, he opens himself up to criticism. <laughs> yeah, there was a really good meme that I saw, which was um, a lot of people are going to be believing in God now because their prayers have been answered after that turn one. It was like, ah, oh, there's a has that's gone off. Everyone's like, please be massive. Yes. Yeah. I literally went, don't be Schumacher, don't be Schumacher, don't be Schumacher. <laughs> yeah. Two laps later, damn it. <laughs> but yeah, so, I mean, look, let's let's hold our thing. I mean, I don't think we can all run to attack him after that incident, you know, first corner, first race. At least he didn't take anyone else off. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Slightly more embarrassing, he just dropped it by himself. But you know, at least he didn't plow into a whole lot of other people. But again, Stroll did this in his, in his opening. Good point. Year, he did make a lot of mistakes and got criticised for it, obviously because of his, his family, his upbringing and the sort of entry into the sport. So let's hope with experience, he gets a little bit better and, and at least gives Schumacher a bit of a fight because they're going to be fighting at the back. Yeah, so, well, that's it. I mean, I, I, we'll talk about it more so when we come on to Mick, but I think, you know, we're not expecting to see anything from Mazepin except for finishing the race. And let, let's see if he's going to be able to do that. He's yeah. clearly struggling and, you know, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, next on the finishing order... Well, not surprisingly, but Fernando Alonso yeah. obviously didn't finish, mm. uh, had a retirement. Now, I thought an interesting weekend for old Jimmy Alfonso, as he's named in my household. <laughs> um, we, we both admitted we're not huge Alonso fans. I was kind of annoyed that he made it into Q3. <laughs> when he finished yeah. in Q3, I was like, oh. Well, I mean, he does have a lot of experience and history. I know, and like, for he's a double world champion, and he's yeah. so good. But I said, like, "Oh, bore off!" Like, I kind of get annoyed when anyone comes back to the sport after a period of time, like with Hulkenberg, even you know, last year, and does really well because to me, it undermines a lot of the sort of skill and talent of current crop four drivers. It suggests that actually, yeah. you know, yeah. a lot of talented drivers could step in those cars and go relatively quickly. It oh. was impressive. Mm, yeah, but I would still like to see a younger driver. Same. Get the opportunity. And he does. He seems boring out of the car now. He, like, he got it. He got out of the car, and it was like, meh. Yeah. Whatever. Let me put my mask on. I'll probably go over to the pit wall and watch a little bit, but then carry on. As much as he was a, I don't know if this is a rude word, but as much of a dick as he used to be, <laughs> I kind of miss the dick. Like you know, yeah, I kind of want yeah. him to be a bit more. Argy shouty. Passionate. Passionate. He's just yeah. a bit like, I'm here. Yeah. No. I'm I, getting paid a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, it, it was an impressive weekend from him fundamentally, I think, especially as he admitted he was struggling to get on top of the car. He pretty much demolished Ocon in, in all say, sessions. Like, Ocon was no... I mean, what was Ocon? Was he on the <laughs> yeah, race? Was he in the race? I kind of was like, are these Alpines even that fast? Or is just Alonso making the most out of that car. Well, fundamentally, I think we discovered the Alpines are not fast. Yeah. I think they've had a fall from grace and what a genius move it's looked for Danny Rick now. Yeah. Bloody hell. Because yeah, that Alpine, unfortunately, looks like it's taken a big step backwards. I think Alonso, you know, did an impressive qualifying for sure, getting onto, was it P9 that he started in the end? I think definitely top 10. Yeah. Come yeah. his exact starting position. Um, and, you know, an impressive race display. I think the thing which became evident and he admitted is tyre management. 
you know, he, he's not used to, he doesn't know how to manage these modern F1 tyres. And a lot of his early performances, his speed was impressive and his racecraft was great, but he was burning through them tyres. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> good, good feedback. Um, so, so yeah. Should I let myself up? <laughs> <laughs> so glad you're here. Uh, so yeah, you know, uh, pitted, pitted, I think uh, one of the first persons to come in the pits for new tyres. And then, yeah, unfortunately uh, ended up having a, a failure. But let's see, I think it's encouraging signs for his season. As I say, I don't really care. I get, <laughs> I get annoyed because I would much rather see somebody else in that seat, but I think it's not necessarily that encouraging for Alpine's season ahead. I, I mean, I said this to you whilst the race was on. I think yeah. he, he's there to sell t-shirts and merch. Which he will do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, and actually, you know, by the way, uh, if you're listening to this the day it's gone live, uh, our lovely partner, the F1 store, uh, are doing free shipping today. Uh, so it literally, if you you got to go, go now, go now. It's F one free ship is the code. I'll put a link below. Uh, but literally, it runs out like at the end of today because obviously it was all about that first race. They were doing some stuff around getting your merch for the first race. Um, but you've still got a few hours if you're listening now. Which go quick. It proves that you should listen to this episode the minute it goes live because yeah. you're going to get incentives like this. Yeah. So just wanted to mention. That. If you want that, like flash, flash, flash discounts. If you want that Alonso hat which Paul is predicting lots of people will. Go, go, go. I think there's a lot of Alonso fans. Potentially. Let's swiftly move on. Yeah. <laughs> Who are going to come after us? Well, let's swiftly move on to a guy that you saw me quite funny message about or tweet about. Uh, Latifi. Yeah. Who said, oh, you know, oh, it's so frustrating that I had to retire. Like, what a great I feel really embarrassed about this, but I was scrolling through Twitter after the race. Obviously, I wanted to hear people's reaction as to the Max and the Lewis battle and what was going on with the midfield. And then there was a Latifi tweet where I was like, oh, it's not how I wanted to start the first opening race of retirement. I was like, I didn't even realise you did retire. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, with Haas being the disaster that they look like they're going to be, Williams at least aren't alone at the back um but they definitely haven't made huge steps forward i think russell impressed as he continues to do so and i do think we might see a cheeky q3 from russell at some point this year or at least maybe some points um but latifi unfortunately looks like he's still struggling yeah just quietly sits at the back i mean it is what it is there's not really anything to say he's just there and he doesn't seem to be going anywhere so i wonder whether they'll be thinking about replacing him well they're gonna have to because at one point George is probably gonna move off from Williams as well but he's the only hope that they've got I think for points yeah I would at one point he was running in the points I don't know whether that was to do with the pitch strategy I think there was a bit of strategy that played into it but I I was up there he was definitely up there he he, you know he's definitely got a shot of a quirky race or a track that suits the Williams of of scoring you know some some low points um Latifi I don't think is necessarily going anywhere fast because of the value the the money that he is able to bring into that team uh, and we know that they need that money so until some other driver comes along who you know financially can offer as much that the TV can, um, then yeah, I think he's, he's sticking around. Mm. Now, a team that had a very sort of, I think, actual unfortunate weekend and a driver as well, Pierre Gasly is next on the list, officially uh, 17th as a DNF. Really? Yeah. So, well, he ran at the back of the, yeah, pack, the yeah, whole race. Yeah, I knew that um, he didn't have a great race, but... I mean, Didn't know that he officially DNF. Yeah, the, the TV coverage was all about <laughs> all, uh, all what we are going to talk yeah. about. But yeah, he definitely seemed to struggle. Yeah, so so obviously qualified incredibly well. I think delivered on the promise of that AlphaTauri from uh, preseason running and then also practicing quality. Uh, yeah, P5, I think he ended up mm. uh, putting it on the grid. Uh, you know, he seems confident. The car seems, you know, unbelievably stable. I think as a weekend they really under-delivered AlphaTauri, and I think we would have expected to see them up there with the Ferraris and the McLarens if everything had gone to plan. Uh, Gasly, obviously, unfortunately lost his front wing, touching Ricardo. Oh, yeah. yeah. Really sort of weak mm. incident. Like, you yeah. know, I think he surprised himself, and then he damaged the car so much, I think the floor, he just had no pace. So he was running at the back the whole time. Um, but I think we should expect to see them very competitive in the races ahead. I think we'll see them on the podium. Oh yeah, Quite a few times. Let's talk, I mean, let's we'll we'll get on to Sonoda. <laughs> yeah, I'm gagging to get yeah. on to Sonoda, but uh, so yeah. So those are our DNFers, our did not finishers. Um, our sort of official last place man, unfortunately, was Mick Schumacher. What um, about Vettel, he actually beat Mick Schumacher. Did he? Yeah. Oh wow. So, uh, well, you say, oh wow. We did touch on it when we spoke about Mazepin. This has, it's borderline embarrassing. I mean, I think at times. 
they, he was running 15, 20 seconds mm. off the back of Latifi. Yeah. They have no pace. Yeah. I mean, you know, fair play, it's his first proper actual race weekend and race. Uh, they've done, they did a lot of mileage and testing. Um, but, I mean, it's an, they're an also ran. They're an absolute also ran. And, and I, I hope that all of their sponsors and Gene Haas are so committed to 2022, they are literally not watching this season. Because like, if you yeah. were, you would go, why are, we, why are we putting all this money into these cars? Yeah, yeah. Well, then you kind of look at it from a perspective of just get mileage under your belt as Mick and Nikita in the hope that at some point you'll get offered another drive or Haas will be competitive next year because it's the only way that we can look at it. I think that's it. All Mick Schumacher has to do is finish every race. Yeah. That's all he can do. Yeah. If he, you know, in qualifying, they didn't look so bad. They looked like a moment where maybe they were going to jump a Latifi or, or not a Russell, but you know, there, there was mm. a chance, but in the race, they were just miles off. And I think, you know, that's all that he can do. Sit at the back, make no mistakes, just gain a lot of experience yeah. and get, and be ready. And heck, you never know in Formula One, he could have a mid-season sweet, seat swap with a Giovinazzi or, yeah. or whatever it might be. So... Maybe yeah. ignore a few blue flags. Practice your defending a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, never know. Oh, wait for Mazepin to spin up in front of you or behind yeah. you. Uh, but, you know, I mean, it was it was actually quite a solid weekend from Schumacher because he did recover from that spin. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, he did spin as well. He just but ran his own race. He just ran his own race. It must be boring for him. Yeah. Um, speaking of a man who kind of had to run his own race because he didn't have much pace, <laughs> Sebastian Vettel. Oh, uh, this, you know, this actually pains me. I feel like Vettel has quite a similar mentality to Alonso in the sense that he comes into the weekend with nothing to lose. He's like, whatever, I'm going to send it. It is what it is. I kind of got the impression of that after qualifying because he had a bad qualifying. Mm. Then he got the grid penalty. <laughs> then he went into the back of Ocon. Oh or did Ocon go into the back of Ocon? No, oh, no he, he went, went into the back of Ocon. It was like, he moved. He <laughs> What was the Grosjean thing at Azerbaijan years ago <laughs> when he binned it? And he went, oh, Ocon touched me. Yeah. Or someone, no, no, or who no. was it? Um, was it Hulkenberg? I can't remember who it was, was who touched him. Or someone, no, no, no. Someone touched yeah, him. Yeah, someone yeah, touched yeah, me. Yeah. <laughs> like, no one else was around him. <laughs> but yeah, I kind of feel like Vettel comes into this now with, I've got nothing to lose. Hopefully, I'll be able to build and mold this team and car around me. And that's the experience that he brings. And I think those guys at Aston Martin are hoping that he can help develop that car. Um, but I kind of have that same sort of perspective on Vettel that I mean he's done his stint at Ferrari that was his dream I kind of feel like he's lingering around a little bit because he loves F1 and he got off of mm. this drive um I disagree with you entirely what <laughs> yeah well, I, I really mm. do because I actually think I think he looked pretty dejected and frustrated over the weekend I think I think he's gone to Aston Martin thinking it's going to be a new lease of life. I think it, I think it got toxic for him at the end of Ferrari. 100%. Again, if you see Drive to Survive, the sort of bitterness and, and bitchiness, again, sorry, oh, that's a rude was, word. It was quite petty. Between him and Ferrari, it got very petty towards the end. Um, and so I think he was very, you know, excited by this new challenge, but he had the least running in testing. There was some, you know, a lot of phrases like, he needs more time in the car. He hasn't had a chance yet. We're waiting for him, you know... And I think I agree, Aston Martin probably were desperate for that feedback, that insight. I just don't think Vettel has been able to get his head around the car yet to be able to say, we need to go in this direction yeah. or that direction. I think Aston Martin themselves are infuriated by this rule change and how it's affected yeah, them. Yeah. They've, they've definitely fallen down the order. They've, they've clearly headed towards the back of that midfield pack rather than when they were right at the front. And I think the problem with Vettel, it seems, which we saw in the year against Ricardo and his years against Leclerc, he, he suffers with the mentality. Yeah. It's when something gets in his head, he doesn't seem to, just from the outside, doesn't seem to handle that well. It's not necessarily pressure, but it's like that kind of thing where he's almost already on a downward spiral. Mm. And this thing with like, I haven't had enough seat time yet. I don't know the car. It's almost like he's like, He's setting himself up for failure. Exactly that. And plowing into the back of Ocon. <laughs> like what? Like it was, was like, what was that? There were so many times in his downward spiral with Ferrari where he was making those mistakes. Like uh, Hockenheim, for example, of is course. like 
just always at the front of my, I mean, I literally cheered like a, a football match. <laughs> You're talking about when he went off in the rain into the barrier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he was leading um, the race by 25 seconds or something. Yeah. yeah. And um, it kind of reminded me of that. And in the first race of the season, what is he setting himself up to do? I remember I was having a conversation with some people in motorsport. I'm not going to name any names because I just sound like I'm name dropping. Um, but they basically said that Vettel, in perfect conditions, is this world champion driver that we saw. When something is not right, doesn't matter what it is, he just completely... Yeah. Like throws the toys out the pram. Yeah, yeah. he yeah. can't handle it, and that and that's literally how it comes across. Mm. It can be the smallest thing that offsets him, upsets him, and then and then everything it's goes gone. to crap. And yeah. you know, hey, look, it is the first race of the season, and that's what we're going to keep you know talking about. The further up the grid or the further up the finishing order we we go, you know, we can't look too far ahead of ourselves. And there's plenty of time for Aston Martin to sort themselves out for Vettel to get used to that car, but. I really wanted him to have a new lease of life. I really wanted him to be this world champion who's going to go to this team, help build them, to sort of mature into, as Raikkonen has done, mature into this kind yeah. of solid racer. And instead, we saw him kind of underperforming, making a few mistakes, a lot of bad luck, but then it actually turned out that the yellow flag incidents wasn't the only thing. I mean, he didn't lift. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, and Stroll put in a relatively solid performance, actually, we have to say, yeah. um, to finish wherever he did, uh, 10th. So, look, the, the Aston Martin's not quick, but there's way more potential in it than Vettel showed. Yeah, I also think this is coming in from a, a from an outside perspective that, that Lawrence Stroll has kind of got Vettel in as a little bit of a, it's not, plaything's not the right term, but like a, a rich person's toy to help Stroll because there were some moments where you're looking at Stroll he's still a young driver Lawrence Stroll obviously controls everything and he's thinking if I could bring Vettel in there's mm. all of this experience my son can just watch him during the weekend debriefs engineering meetings and pick up things he's almost using Vettel to develop the car to develop his own son in and the, the brand and the brand um yeah, but if I was Lance, I'd be like, I'm not looking over the other side of the carriage. <laughs> yeah, this is a nightmare yeah, over there. Yeah, I'll yeah. focus on me. Like, hey, I'm going to keep all my fingers crossed. I am still a Vettel fan. Mm -hmm. I believe in him. I believe in his ability. I know it's easy to knock him. I agree. I don't think he's necessarily the, you know, he's definitely not at his peak anymore. And he's definitely at his best when everything comes together. Totally agree. A bit like Jensen Button there. Yeah. Very similar yeah. kind of characteristics. But um, he, he needs to kind of, keep being able to refresh himself and, and focus on the rest of the season. And I really hope, yeah, he finds his way because... I hope more it, for Aston Martin's sake than Vettel's sake. Yeah, like, I think given their history, as long as, you know, they stick to what they've been doing as Force India Racing Point, they'll, they'll be strong. Yeah, yeah. You know, they should be able to progress throughout the year and they've always been that underdog team. Um, but I just, yeah, I want them to get up to speed, mm. you know, nice and quickly. So let's wait and see. Uh, next up, George Russell. Mm -hmm. As we said, you know, solid. Uh, yeah, solid, solid weekend. Not really much to say. I no. think he, you know, good qualifying. Um, yeah, is what it is. And next up, I mean, we got a we got a smattering of okay. also rounds people, people uh, that we don't need to <laughs> talk about. Touch upon uh, too much. <laughs> Skip the next two minutes, guys. <laughs> it's not going to be two minutes. Thirteenth, uh, <laughs> Ocon. As I say, I don't think I even realised he was in the race. Yeah, he, he just was uh, a complete. I mean, we, we mentioned it in the season preview. He is he needs to sort his life out because Alonso he, overshadowed him massively, um, I think, over the entire weekend. I don't even know what he did during the race apart from let Vettel hit him. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah he's in trouble. Um, Lucky to even be back in F1, to be honest. I would there's agree. So, there's so many people that probably deserve that seat, but the fact that Toto Wolff was there pushing... But to, to think at one point, you know, when he left the sport originally for that year out, when he, you know, got booted from, from Force India Racing Point, everyone was like, oh, he's going to be a Mercedes one day. Yeah. He's going to replace yeah, Bottas. Yeah, yeah. I don't understand because we all know how much force you need to smash that brake pedal with when you come into the corner. Mm -hmm. How does his legs carry that force to what do you mean <laughs> like have you seen his leg you say he's too skinny yeah i don't understand how <laughs> have, you seen like, have you analyzed them in person <laughs> no but I've, seen, too thin. I've seen enough photos we, we got in trouble just, we got in trouble before for being mean about yuki sonoda but have you seen yuki sonoda <laughs> it's you know yeah but like he's dense <laughs> okay moving on uh Giovinazzi I am going to put him down as an also ran but I do think Alfa Romeo had a, a good weekend actually but, yeah. but uh, once again Kimi outperformed him I think 
uh, as a race and weekend. And the car looked good. Car looks so good still. I'm so glad it didn't. Under those lights, no, that oh red my is God. perfect. Such a good looking car. And Kimmy, I thought had a really good race weekend. I enjoyed watching him. He he put on a bit of a show. Put on a bit of a show. Had some good racing. Tested a few of the youngsters. Why did no one pick up on both Vettel versus Alonso and Raikkonen versus Alonso? Because <laughs> yeah. they were just talking about like, oh, you know, ex Ferrari ra- racing drivers. I'm like, that's the least imp- like <laughs> yeah. like they were bitter rivals, Alonso and Vettel and Raikkonen and Alonso, like bitter bitter rivals at stages of their careers, and they all they talked about oh ex Ferrari drivers here. <laughs> but it's like watching uh, football punditry now when okay. you see all of these old retired footballers that used to hate each other on the pitch now just casually agreeing with each other. <laughs> oh yeah, he's doing really well this half, and it's kind of I've that. always loved Manchester United. <laughs> yeah, it's like. Sunday pub chat now on track. Okay, well, yeah, no, that, that I, I annoyed me that they weren't picking up on the fact yeah. that a lot of these old rivalries were being brought back to life in the midfield. But yeah, no, solid weekend from Kimmy, and I think the Alpha again yeah, has got good. a chance of doing some solid, solid results at some point. They're they're towards the latter half of that midfield with Aston Martin, I would suppose. And I think once Alpha Tauri get up to speed, that's the sort of problem for Aston and Alpha. They're going to be pushed back down, so the chances of scoring those bottom end points are going to be tough. Um, but let's wait and see. And then, yeah, we get into the points. So Stroll uh, in 10th. I think, you know, actually, when you look at the grid or the field in general, uh, that kind of is where Aston Martin are. But I think actually he kind of outperformed that throughout the race. He ended up there because Perez managed to fight his way through the field. Sonoda did some big overtakes. Um, But, you know, that's where we're going to see Aston Martin, I think. And it was a solid weekend from Stroll. There were some really good moments where I was watching Stroll up against the likes of Sainz, people like that, where I think a couple of years ago, you would have probably seen him back out of the move. And he just and he was either like driving around the outside or he was holding his position. And he felt like he was driving as though he deserved to be in that race. Whereas I feel like sometimes in previous years, he's kind of been this timid driver, didn't want to make a mistake because he's probably going to get slagged off by the media. His dad's this big boss that on Drive to Survive Season 3, scary as hell. And so I just don't feel like he's got that fear anymore. And I feel like he thinks he deserves to be there, which, yeah. is, which is really cool to see. It was a very confident, dare I say it, team leader drive. Yeah. You know, as Vettel floundered around, making the kind of mistakes we would have expected from Stroll three or four mm. years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, he looked solid. So I think you good, could rely good on, him. on him now. Yeah, feel good, like you good rely on, him. on him. Let's see what happens. I do want Aston to improve throughout the year. I really hope they do, but they're definitely feeling hard done by with the, I w- I the changes. To, I want Stroll to start proving people. Calm down, Stroll fans. <laughs> So I've, got, I've, got one, I've had one selfie with him and he's my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the kind of the second headline, I don't know how to talk about Sonoda. Okay. He feels like the surprise of the season for people who didn't watch preseason testing. Yeah. yeah. Those who are just like, oh, a rookie, what the hell is he doing? Who running is this guy? guy? The first Japanese driver to ever score points in his debut race. Oh, good stat that. Yeah. I Thank mean, you. I just You're the like- stat guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only stat you know, isn't it? No, no, no. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, a, a, an amazing weekend from him. I think, look, he is a rookie. He has been fast-tracked through the formulas and we have to expect, or we were all kind of waiting for a mistake. And it wasn't really a mistake, but qualifying's where he maybe let himself down. Yeah. Having seen the pace, as you mentioned, even in Q1, Q2. Q, Q1, he was P2. It, it, everyone thought, oh my God, this guy, like, unbelievable. Guy and car. Car, of course, super yeah. impressive. As I mentioned with Gasly, you know, the Alpha Tauri looking very, very good. But Sonoda, I think there's a lot of hype and excitement because of the way he drives. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, if you're new to F1, if you've got into Drive to Survive, now you're a fan, you're trying to understand, you know, what the sort of, why to get excited about different drivers. Because obviously once they're in the car, you lose all the personalities that you see on Drive to Survive. You can also like disconnect from the fact that a human is actually in control of the car. But driving style, overtaking skill, uh, the way they position the car and move the car around is what makes them exciting to watch. What are you, why are you giggling? I'm just laughing at the video that you showed me. Do you remember the guy that had the, all of these like crazy Le Mans cars that used to go up and down the Japanese Oh yeah, It's on my driving style. It's high speed. <laughs> it's the best video, which I have talked about a few times before. And it, it, they actually sort of tried to replicate it on Top Gear, but it's some guys who collected proper ex Le Mans cars mm. and they're in them in Japan and they basically road legal yeah like, they drove them on the street epic. and they interviewed this one guy and it's all building up and the music's going and he goes <laughs> my driving style high speed and it <laughs> cuts to him on the motor 
like 170 <laughs> kilometers an hour. You're like, what the heck? Um, so anyway, uh, yes, Sonoda, super impressive, but he, he did let himself down in qualifying. Uh, I loved his kind of post-quali interview when they said, where do you want to finish tomorrow? He goes, P1. <laughs> <laughs> he's just got carried, he's got personality. And what I was trying to say is that the way that you can read that in the car is how these drivers move the cars around. You see it with Verstappen, you see it with Hamilton on occasion, or at least we might see more of it this year. Um, Sonoda is another one of them where they look like the car is alive and they're doing things which are, which are shocking and amazing and exciting to watch. And so that's why I think everyone's impressed by Sonoda. Um, his speed is definitely raw. Uh, his race pace, I think, was good actually, um, you know, to, to get P9. Uh, you know, it was a good solid result for him. Uh, and yeah, I mean, a huge talent that we can all watch out for, right? Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching him. My only concern is when I was watching the race, I was like, oh my God, this is my new favourite driver. I love picking up like a rookie that just has all of the balls and lunges at every corner. The last time I had this feeling was Albon. <laughs> so like, I'm also like kind of nervous oh, that Sonoda's just going to fall off the pace, but hopefully... He never gets that number two car from Red Bull. Yeah. And he just carries on driving with AlphaTauri and then wins world championship after. He could be like, I don't know, like Ferrari might fancy the Japanese market. Oh, I think there's so much potential for him. Let's let's yeah. see where he can get to. But I yeah. think, you know, he's come in. He's definitely hot property. Yeah. And he's got this year to really like, you know, he's got to keep delivering. Um, you know, there is a lot of you coming with that raw talent, that raw pace, as we mentioned again in the season preview. He has that mentality of, I can do anything. Yeah. And so as long as he sticks with that, I think we've got a really exciting season for him. But yeah, lots of potential. Just a cool, fun guy. And I think he's going to yeah, get a lot of support. Yeah. Can't wait to see him. If we get to Suzuka, I cannot wait. <laughs> Japanese fans, <laughs> Alpha Tower. I'm going to try and go. Oh my God, same. <laughs> yes. First trip of the year. Um, okay, P8. Um, Carlos Sainz Jr. in the Ferrari. Mm. Now, interesting to say P8. And I'm like, oh. Actually, a really impressive weekend from science. We're going to talk about Ferrari in a second okay, when we okay, get to Leclerc, yeah. but I just want to focus on science because, you know, he's coming to that team and I think most people sort of went, oh, you know, no chance he's going to beat Leclerc and, you know, it's a solid number two for them and yeah. blah, blah. But he's really bossed it. He seems to have got up to speed in that car very quickly. A lot of confidence. What are, in, in free practice and even in some parts of quality, looked to have the edge on Leclerc until it really mattered. Uh, and then in the race, again, you know, that's his first race for Ferrari. We know that that car is better than we expected, but it's still not great. A solid result. Had some good overtakes, some good action. <laughs> you summed it up because I'm looking at you like, I have not got much to say about this. <laughs> well, we'll leave it there. Yeah, but I, I think you're right. I think you summed it up perfectly. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's nice to see Ferrari faster than we expected to bring the fight to the lights of McLaren. I mean, I'm trying to subdue my excitement about Ferrari's pace. <laughs> we'll wait until we get to the P6 when Jesus himself, Charles Leclerc, is who we're talking about. So wedged in between the Ferraris, Danny Rick. Now, I'm going to come out and say, I think McLaren, or at least, well, I think Danny Rick was disappointed by McLaren and his own performance over this race weekend. Yeah, I think um, well, he, he outperformed Norris in Outqualified him, which I was like, yes. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was... Uh, there were some moments where I was watching, I was trying to consume as much F1 over the weekend as possible. I was literally living on Sky Sports F1. The best. And there were some moments where you really realise what coming into a new team entails. And someone like Danny Rick, who's been 10, 11 seasons now, maybe this is his 10th season. God, 2011, I think. So 10th tenth tenth, season. 10th yeah. tenth season. And he was saying that the, the nerves and excitement of getting into a new car, you forget that all of these cars have completely different characteristics. So jumping into that car where Norris has been nurturing and learning, there was a moment where he was driving around Silverstone and the technician just looked at this point in the graph and he was like, can you explain this? What was going on here? He was like, oh, I think I was just getting used to the car. And you could see it, it as if it was like it was his rookie season. Yeah. So to see him up, with Norris and at that sort of pace. And then obviously throughout the weekend, I think we're in for quite a lot of Danny Rick action. Well, yes, I think, you know, I say disappointed with the race weekend because coming out of pre-season testing uh, and even early practice sessions, you know, there was a lot of hype around McLaren. And McLaren were quick to kind of talk it down, you know, and there was that question that I think we touched on, which was you don't want to be the, the champions of, 
pre-season testing yeah, yeah. Um, or the Champions of Winter. And, you know, McLaren well it looked as calm and I think they were running, you know, the higher engine modes than a lot of the people showing their pace because they were learning that Mercedes engine. But I was expecting to see them right up there with Mercedes and Red Bull or at least ahead of the rest, but they weren't. They were very much in that midfield mix. I also think that was something to do with the other cars that probably weren't showing their full colours in testing that Agreed. were just creeping up onto McLaren. Um, Norris kind of played it down after qualifying quite well. He was just kind of like, I expect the cars that you expect to be in the top four and we'll just try and hold on. Yeah, and I think, you know, uh, and you're right, Danny Rick, very impressive to out We know how insanely fast Norris is in qualifying and he was across a weekend. So Danny Rick being able to sort of put his marker down in quali, which... Be like, I'm here too. It's always going to... And because you're so right, because of, well, drive to, si- to survive, but also the amount of driver changes, big driver changes mm. we've seen in the last five or so years. I think there's now an, an understanding that it takes drivers five or six races to get up to speed. You know, before people, oh my God, he's slow. But it's, it takes that time. So we're going to expect Danny Rick to really come on song as we head into the sort of spring, early summer. Um, but to out-qualify him in the first race, I think was impressive. Yeah. In the race, he didn't have the race pace. He, yeah. he clearly didn't. But still, you know, considering that he's only a couple of positions behind actually where Norris finished, I don't think it's a disaster. And he'll get there. He was quite hard on himself, I think. I think he yeah. was disappointed. But you're right. There's plenty of time for Danny Rick to grow. And that car does look quick. It, yeah. do, it does definitely look quick. I think, I think over the next sort of uh, the next four or five races, I think we're going to start seeing him get, just get quicker and quicker. Yeah. And what we're looking at with Norris is like, that's kind of where he is. Sure. Um, so That's where that, the car can be. Yeah. He was a comfortable fourth. Yeah. Which actually, if we face it, like is kind of where we were expecting McLaren. Yeah. He was rock solid there behind the Ferraris and the so Red, let's sorry, just, yeah, Red let's, let's give Danny Rick a little bit of time. Let's yeah. see what he can do with the car. And um, hopefully we'll start seeing. I mean, we're going to see some all sorts of all sorts of like configurations on the podium. But Danny Rick on the podium is the best. That that <laughs> first lap duel with Norris, though, was <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. Zach Brown just like, yeah, sweaty palms. <laughs> I mean, don't touch Norris. If, any, I mean, that, if that was a teaser of anything, wow. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. some close, very respectful, very close racing and yeah. very exciting. So yeah, I, you know, lots to be excited about, but it's just going to take a bit of time. So, uh, finally, <laughs> Wait, I'm going to put the hat on. Oh it's God. not going to fit. I'm putting the hat on. Where's your Ferrari jacket? <laughs> Where's like- my, my, my Ferrari jacket from 1995 <laughs> is over the other side of the room. I was putting my Ferrari hat on there for anyone who wasn't listening. Because yes, <laughs> I can say it. Ferrari are back in some shape or form. <laughs> back in the midfield. <laughs> I'm sorry. I am so on the Leclerc bandwagon hype train. I, I, mean, I have been for years. Obviously, last year, you know, couldn't, not much to be excited about apart from a couple of genius results. But mm. what a genius this man is. I mean, so yes, Ferrari a little bit faster than we were all expecting. And there's a little bit more potential in there. You know, potential for a cheeky podium at some point. You know, as I say, Let's just run through it very quickly. Clearly Red Bull and Mercedes at the top. I think pretty much closer than we were expecting. Maybe Red Bull got the slight edge. Then McLaren, very closely followed by Alfa Tauri, Ferrari. Who am I forgetting? (laughs) (laughs) McLaren, did I say that? No. Anyway. Then you've got Aston Martin and Alpine kind of hanging around. There we go. Thank you. So, uh, Charles Leclerc, P freaking four. Mm. I mean, out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Out of nowhere. Uh, well, and it then, was because Perez was knocked out. Sh- and then, <laughs> and then uh, a very solid race. Yeah, yeah. Um, some great on-track battles. Held his own. Just, I'm the, the man's a god. <laughs> <laughs> he, yeah, considering the car he's driving, you'd probably think he is. I think he came into the sport off, 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 so off the back of his F2 success to be like, oh my God, this guy's going to win world champions. I can't see him winning a world champion. <gasps> Ship. When, when when Verstappen's on track. Oh, get out. Like, Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> if he's if he's still going to stay in this Ferrari. Oh, is, move he's on. This massive contract. Yeah, he's not Ferrari going anywhere. Imprisoned him. <laughs> you must drive Ferrari road cars and Ferrari race cars. So I if just, they were all in the same car, which is obviously the fa- favorite question for Formula 1 yeah. fan. Who are your top three drivers in F1 right now? Uh, Probably Mazepin, Lewis. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, be serious for a second. Okay, Lewis. 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burroughs Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Verstappen. Probably Leclerc. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Verstappen ahead. Okay, so you put them in order. I don't know why you put them in order. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's P1, P2, P3. See, the thing is, with Verstappen and Leclerc, we've seen both of them have moments of, of, you know, rage or, you know, like <laughs> the consistency. Verstappen has been mighty impressive over yeah. the last 18 months, two years. Obviously, we're going to come on to him. He finished P2. Um, brackets P1. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we'll touch on him in a second. But but Leclerc as well, very similar. Insane pace, great gaining maturity, gaining consistency, but every now and again makes the old mistake. So still got a bit to learn to be that consistent champion. But I'm sorry, I think they're, the minute Hamilton goes, it's all about Leclerc and Verstappen. Yeah, I agree. I, mean, I like, think Verstappen will beat him. Oh, I'm not so sure. <laughs> I'm not so, I think Leclerc is just an undeniable. Can you, can you see I'm not a Ferrari fan? <laughs> well, but you know what? This is what I was going to touch on. Considering that you're not really a Ferrari fan, even you said it was quite good to see them back up there and competitive. Oh, of course. Like, I would, I would love to see... McLaren, Ferrari, Red Bull and Mercedes all have equal cars and just smash it out of the mm-hmm. park. 2012 um, style? 2012? God, I think it was 2012. It's going back a few years. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Go yeah, on. yeah. So, okay, as much... I'm trying to work out the best way to word this because I'm not a Ferrari fan in the same way that I'm not like a Chelsea football fan. Oh, but, my, my favourite. My team. <laughs> You always want Chelsea to be up there with the Manchester United, with the Liverpools, to, to challenge. But you never want them to win. You just mm. want to you just want to see a good fight. From a neutral's perspective, you want as many fast drivers and cars as possible. And you cannot have a, have a, have an exciting Formula One season without having red cars near the front. It's Ferrari. Yes, Formula exactly. One is yeah, Ferrari. Yeah, exactly. Ferrari is Formula One. Yeah. So, yeah, it was great. So the the fanboy and, and it got re-energized. The the Ferrari, Ferrari Easter, which I like to class myself as. Um, it's not the Tifosi. No, I know it is the Tifosi, but I just, you know, coined my own phrase. Uh, <laughs> was was reawoken in me uh, 2019 uh, with Leclerc's unbelievable performances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and they're just gaining more momentum. And I think, I, I just, I'm so impressed by him. So, yeah, yeah. anyway, oh, solid I'm, a, I'm a big Leclerc fan. Yeah, like good. the moment he moves away from Ferrari, he's like, I'm going to be my favourite driver. <laughs> <laughs> so, then we get into the big boys. Uh, number five, or P5 in the end, uh, Sergio Perez. Yeah. 
You know, you mentioned <laughs> earlier the damn cursed second Red Bull. I think we were all thinking, you know, when he got knocked out in Q1, we were yeah. like, there is something going on here that we don't know about. Yeah. And then when he broke down on the formation lap, we're like, come well, on, this is like, I almost felt like Albon must have just been giggling, like sitting at home yeah, going, ah. Yeah, it was, um, it was way before that formation lap where Honda flagged the problem. There were some issues. And they were like, exactly. oh, no, we just want to change it. Just a precaution. Don't worry about it, guys. Sure. <laughs> we're just going to take this wrench and untighten a few wheels <laughs> yeah it was it felt like it was going to be a, a sort of you know a, a long day a long day um and you know Perez was quite open going into the weekend that qualifying he wasn't there yet you know he, he hadn't found that one lap pace but he was talking up his race pace quite a lot and I think we'd seen that in a lot of the sessions um but you know no one expected him to go out in Q1 that was pretty brutal I think even even everyone at Red Bull probably went please no yeah like please no but uh, a classically Perez race. I mean, you know, solid tyre management, great overtaking, use the Red Bull's pace. And I would say whilst we did see some of those types of races from Albon and Gasly, I'm not sure they would have got P5. No. I think we might have seen them in seventh or eighth, you know, and maybe I'm making that up, but I just, and we've got to accept that the Red Bull could be the fastest car on the grid. So, you know, it's expecting that he's going to make his way through. But I just think it was a very, an amazing recovery from him. He he kind of ran his own race because he was on his own strategy from lap one. Which was very confusing. <laughs> yeah, Couldn't work out where he was at any time. Uh, Perez has come back into the pit <laughs> yeah. again. Um, I kind of feel like Perez is playing a racing game on level easy and then just qualifying at the back to make his day more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it. I think the man wants to win a championship. He's definitely not going, how can I make this fun? Yeah. Um, but I bet he enjoyed, I bet he thought this is a different feeling yeah. because he's definitely had moments where he's been at the back of the grid or things have happened in previous seasons when he's been in a car that's not optimal or not the fastest on the grid. So he must've gone, this is quite this fun. Is, this is epic. This is epic. Yeah. So I think still lots to come from him. I think lots of potential, but as with all of these number two drivers at Red Bull, which effectively he is, even though they won't admit it. Uh, yeah. He he's got, he's got to prove, he's got to prove it over a consistent, you know, yeah. basis. I'm sure out of all of the second drivers, actually, well, yeah, because Danny Rick obviously left by, like on his own terms. They'll give him the best run, even if he's not bringing the results in. It's only a one-year contract though, right? Yeah, but I feel like they'll at least give him a season. I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah, no, yeah. It's like, very good point. Yeah. Very good point. I thought they'd just kick him out after a race two. You're not P3. You're, well, not, you're not helping Max. You mentioned Vettel not caring. I think Perez doesn't care. I mean, he's got, he has got nothing to prove. He's only got everything yeah, to gain. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're so right. um, let's wait and see. But but, but, but a, a, a great recovery from him. Uh, number four, uh, or position four, Lando Norris. Lando. Uh, yeah, I mean, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, you know, I said earlier, I was quite happy to see Danny Rick out qualify him. But that was only because I am a big Danny Rick fan, as we all are. And I think it was impressive. But uh, Lando was equally as yeah. impressive across yeah. the weekend. You know, solid. You know, d did what he needed to do to get that McLaren in P4. Great qualifier. I mean, you know, he, he just... He's really maturing into a really solidly impressive driver, isn't he? Yeah, 100%. So. And, I, and, I, and I still can't quite like take him seriously when he's in interviews, even though he's talking you're really wait, seriously. You're waiting for him to make a joke. I'm or something, waiting yeah. for him to say something yeah. funny or make a joke. And he's such a an entertaining character off the track as he as much as he is on the track that I just will lap up any interview that he yeah. gives or any other interview because the chances of him crashing that interview and just coming on and be like oh hey guys I'm here too yeah. like it's quite high so I it, just quite like the fact that he is who he is he's the kind he's what you think you would be if you were an F1 driver i.e. having an amazing time yeah, like yeah. he's just always having a laugh like yeah. you know no matter how intense or serious it gets he seems to always be enjoying himself yeah. which was the same quality that we've seen with Danny Rick over the years so I think that positively hopefully will help push McLaren forward this year they are definitely though going to fall out those two. Do you reckon? 100%. I want to see a reality TV show on that. Because, you know, there's a lot of this pressure that they are going to be the best friends. They're going to be the jokers. Yeah, like, it's going yeah. to be so match made in heaven. Um, but as we've seen so many years with teammates, that car is competitive. Yeah. That car is going to be in positions for podiums this year. Maybe even if they keep developing it, who knows, top of the grid. And they seem very evenly matched at this stage. Yeah. They're going to butt heads. They yeah. are going to fall out. I predict that. Maybe right like now. team orders or something. Oh, Someone will throw their toy about the pram. 100%. P3 is an also ran uh, Valtteri Bottas. <laughs> Who knew he was in the race? Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't want to do another podcast dedicated to bashing Bottas, so let's just move on. Bottas bashing. I mean, just pointless. Uh, so, where do we even start? Because it <laughs> happened. All the hype came true. 
It was Hamilton versus Verstappen. And oh, guys, the whole season. We don't know if it's going to be the whole season, but it was at least one race. And boy, it was an exciting race weekend for these two. It was so good. They basically. So I, my watch just buzzed at the worst time. We've like done this whole podcast and I've been ex- itching to talk about this. Oh my God, this is great. Paul, what did you think? <laughs> Let me just check my calorie intake for this. Sorry, what did you say? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, was, it was just like, I wish that I could have document. I would, like I should have had a camera watching those last 10 laps. It was more like 15 laps because you knew within five laps it was going to happen. So you were just itching for the whole thing. And actually, when you look back on the, the entire race, there were so many things that built up to the moment where they both met on the track at the same time. I think that we should take it back just quickly. I don't want to go into too much, but to qualifying. Mm-hmm. Because as I mentioned much earlier on in this podcast, there is this feeling, I think that these two are elevating each other to just step away from the rest of the field. And we saw it in qualifying and then in the race. I mean, I know Bottas did that last minute pit stop for a fast slap, but they finished 37 seconds ahead of him. They were in a different league all weekend, I think. It was, I think it was lap six where Bottas is, Bottas is, Bottas? Go with Uh, it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, his uh, technician came onto the radio and said, uh, right, push now. Uh, Max is having problems with his chassis. Go for it. <laughs> they, they still drove off. It was Toto went, hunt him down, Valtteri. <laughs> and they just went backwards. Yeah. I mean, as you know, we're expecting, we all believe, and it's, you know, it's still hard to completely analyse that Red Bull are faster than Mercedes. But what we're seeing here, and I'm sorry, Hamilton haters, because you're going to come at us and say we're Hamilton fanboys. This is what, any champion, any true multiple world champion, apart from potentially Vettel at the minute, <laughs> brings to a team, which is finding additional pace out of the car. If you've got a base level pace, which any decent F1 driver could get into that car and perform well in, i.e. Russell, Hamilton and any champion of his level is able to extract that extra yeah. speed. And whilst we know Bottas does not operate on the same level as Lewis, Bottas is still fundamentally a very good driver. And we've seen that in previous years when he's at Williams, etc. So, to be so much faster and to compete on such level with Red Bull that we think is quicker is Hamilton's value. Tire management, pace management, extracting the extra thing. So also race strategy. Race strategy. He called quite a lot of what was. What he argued with them multiple times, didn't he? Yeah. Um, and also, I think what's so exciting for Lewis is I don't think he even knows where his peak is because I don't think he's had this challenge yet where now he's coming onto the camera and being interviewed by David Cawthorn going, I'm so excited because like, I've never driven like that. And I think we're going to get this all season where Verstappen will start pushing Lewis and then Lewis will start to realise his potential. And yes, we are Lewis fans, but hopefully we'll be able to kind of counter because I'm also a massive Max fan. Well, I'm a Formula One fan. And all I've wanted to see for years is close racing, but also, I want the chance to say, see, yeah, that's yeah, why Lewis yeah, is good. Yeah, and yeah. we got it with Turkey last year and we've had it in a few races. But, you know, this is my potential to gloat and to, yeah, and to say yeah. this. Why, you know, and we had it the Schumacher-Alonso years, you know, as being a Schumacher fan, all those dire years, 2005, 2006, whilst Schumacher didn't win those championships, 2005 disaster. 2006 was, look, this is the guy. Yeah. He's not in the fast car, but look what he's doing. And he, he really should have won that 2006 championship. Um uh, due to unreliability, it didn't. But anyway, uh, yeah, so lots of potential excitement for the rest of the year. We'll talk about Max first because he obviously finished P2. Uh, you know, fundamentally this year, it feels like Max's, or at least early part of the season, Max's race is to lose. Mm. And I'm going to say it, I think Max lost that race. Yeah. I actually, I mean, Hamilton definitely did win it, 100% did win it, but through a little bit of strategy, but also, and this is where a lot of Max fans are really going to come after me. <laughs> I think I'm, he, I'm ready. Yeah, I, I think he lost it in his choice of overtaking. What do you mean? So, uh, track limits. Okay. Oh. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Big discussion. I was going. I thought you. I, for some reason, I thought you were going to talk about where he let Lewis overtake him, as in to regain that position after the track limit, and then what happened. After that, through the high-speed corners? Both. Okay, fine. So, so track limits quickly. Let's just touch upon it. Uh, I am all for the whole thing of it's too blurred. Like, mm-hmm. there has to be one single rule. It can't be that if you're alone, 
use you know going off the track is we can ignore that who yeah, cares yeah, but yeah. the minute you're racing oh you've got to follow those track limits yeah. and what you have to remember for those who again who are new to the sport previously in years before that would have been grass dirt or gravel if you went off the track you would have crashed your car yeah. would have gone out nowadays because of safety they've changed that so you can use the the elements of the circuit that are theoretically off the, the racing line now midway through the race the FIA did seem to step in and say hey, you can't go off anymore like Hamilton stopped going off track Verstappen you can't use that either so you know there was that cool mid-race but it, it was too complicated so yeah I'm fully for it like it's blurred it is it is the one thing that I've picked up on post-race is that the race control should have just said it's it's legal to 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 go off on turn four because at the beginning of the race it was that's why Lewis was using it, it. should never have been legal though yeah of course, yeah. but they should have at least kept the rule throughout the race consistent. Otherwise, totally agree. Because Red Bull told Max to do the same. They were mm -hmm. like, until Lewis mm -hmm. gets told not to, because it was obvious that Red Bull made the call to race. Of course. We're like, look, Lewis is going off. Um, and they said, Max, keep using it until we get told otherwise. Um, and then the moment that the track limits are in place for an overtake those rules change again. So and it's Lewis who calls it in, saying, yeah. yeah, the line I've been using for the last 60 laps, for 40 laps, yeah. he's just using overtaking me. That's not fair. It's just two completely separate yeah. rules of, of how you can overtake and you can never go off the track to overtake. Um, but then also you're looking at the track limits of uh, qualifying versus a race. Because qualifying, you're there to set one lap and it's a, it's a speed test, basically. So when you're uh, going using more of the track to gain an advantage in speed, it's going to benefit your qualifying. But during the race, it didn't make much sense to have two different sets of rules. It made no sense. It and made. obviously then that threw Lewis's win into jeopardy on social media, everyone attacking Lewis, being like, oh, he's not got the fastest car, but he's still cheating, blah, 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 blah. When actually it should be aimed at the race directors and everyone that was basically, they basically changed the rules halfway through the race. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't want to dwell on it too much because it, it fundamentally, the bottom line is you should not be able to, you know, go further than the white lines. That yeah, should be yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And it was a mess. But I don't think it takes away from the final result necessarily. And the reason I'm going in on Verstappen, and can I just say, I'm not a Verstappen hater and I'm not such a fanboy that I'm like, oh, as long as Lewis wins, I don't care. Like, I want to see close racing. And I kind of did want Verstappen to win to set up this yeah. title challenge. But obviously the way that Hamilton did as a race in whole, I was, I was impressed by with Verstappen, I think what it showed again is over a season, he is going to have to really advance himself to build, beat someone as complete as Hamilton. This is not the first time we've seen Hamilton master tyre strategy to win a race. Like, this was essentially the 20... What was the desert? 2014 duel in the desert with Rosberg, where it was the kind of same thing where Hamilton was on much older tyres. Obviously, a safety car brought them a lot closer. And it, Rosberg was on much younger tyres and Hamilton somehow managed to keep him ahead. And it was kind of a similar concept. I went to those last 15 laps being like, it's not really fair this because yeah. Verstappen's going to sail past him. Like, and then obviously, the sort of more and more that Hamilton was eking out, I was like, holy crap, how is he doing this? And I got more excited. But initially, I was like, this is Verstappen's going straight past. So, sorry, I'll let no. you jump in a second. But my, my issue, therefore, being, I think Verstappen needed to think more, this is Hamilton I'm trying to pass and he's not going to let me go around the outside. I've got five laps to do this. Like, do you see what I mean? I think Red Bull nearly perfected the strategy in the sense that all of their calculations in math had suggested that Verstappen was going to win that race. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that they had discounted was Lewis mm -hmm. in all of that. Everything on their screen, all of the numbers screamed, we're going to win this race. And there was moments like, I think it was like, I don't know, like lap 51 or 52, where Verstappen started to get DRS. And Martin Brundle was like, Lewis is um, regenerating his... At the end of the straight. Really, really early, at the end of the straight. Lewis knew he was never going to let Max pass, but he needed that extra boost throughout the lap. So he was doing all of these clever little things that most people wouldn't pick up on. There was even a moment, I think we were about 60% through the race, where Bono went on to Lewis and said, we're going to need low 134s if we're going to start um, doing what our computers are telling yeah, us yeah. we need to do. And Lewis is like, nah, we're not going to have any tyres yeah, for the left possible. of the race. It's not possible. And 
if you're thinking we're, they're on lap 35 and Lewis is already thinking about those final five laps where he needs more tyres to battle Verstappen, he is a genius of what's going on in his head. Every single lap, he knows what's going on. And I kind of feel like we were back in the uh, Hungarian ring when, do you know, when uh, Red Bull lost that window because Mercedes pitted and then... I don't remember. Uh, last year? Not last year, the year okay. before. Okay. I think it was the year before, where Verstappen's window for pitting was almost like half a minute and Red Bull made the call to to keep him out and then uh, Lewis had like 19 seconds to gain against Verstappen. Oh, yes. yeah, And, okay, and, and, and overtook him because he had the fresher tyres. I kind of feel like that because they missed that window because Mercedes went for the undercut. And the moment that they missed that window, you kind of felt like they've lost the race. But then as things started to progress, you were like, oh my, oh my God, like Verstappen's actually going to win this. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And he didn't. And actually, I wonder whether if they had reacted to Mercedes pit for the undercut and just brought him in and not looked at the screens, maybe there was an element of, oh, we were going to let him out in traffic. So we would have lost that potential mid-racing. Mm. Mid I wonder whether they'd, if they'd brought him in and reacted to Mercedes, because I feel like Christian Horner is so against reacting to Mercedes. <laughs> it's actually thrown away quite a few races. If they had brought him in on that lap after Lewis, whether he would have had more opportunity at the end of the race to get that move done in a safer place where he wasn't going over track limits. But So you don't think Mercedes won that race on strategy? Um, I would say they won it more on Lewis's, as, as a racing craft, more than on strategy. So I, that's I definitely disagree. I, I think I think Hamilton was unbelievable. I think he did a job that not many other drivers could have done, but I think it was Mercedes' strategic genius that put him in that position, that gave them that opportunity. Because I think if they'd done anything else, or if Red Bull had copied them, Mercedes would never have had a chance to win that race. Red Bull were quicker, I think, as we saw, like over a race distance, they were quicker. Um, I think Mercedes had to try something different, something unique to try and win that race. They probably didn't know if it could actually be done. Like, and I think, you know, as you say, when Bono's giving him lap times and Hamilton's like, no way, like they probably thought, it's going to be a long shot, but we've got to try something. Like Bottas clearly isn't going to do it. So let's just yeah. see what Hamilton can do. And they probably thought a bit like us that Verstappen was probably just going to sail past in the last five laps, but it's Hamilton. You never yeah. know. And Hamilton did prove that he's wily enough to put Verstappen in a place where I'd say, I just think if that was Alonso or a Raikkonen or I don't know, just someone else with a lot more experience of racing right at the top against someone like Hamilton, that they would have known going around the outside, like Firstly, Hamilton is not going to allow it because we've seen plenty of times and just punt people off when they try and go around the outside. But secondly, that's not your only shot, mate. You're clearly yeah. fast enough. You've got five laps here. There's an, they were, un, they were uh, uh, lapping somebody at the same time. It's like, okay, maybe I just set myself up somewhere better. If he just waited, if he just followed him around the lap, he probably would have just DRS'd him the next lap. Yeah. So it was that kind of thing where I think sometimes Verstappen, and we love, oh, at least I love his kind of, grit teeth moment like ah, it's gonna go for it <laughs> yeah. but i think to beat hamilton which there's a part of me that kind of wants him to over a season i yeah, kind of yeah. want to disrupt the flow he's got to start thinking like hamilton he's got to start thinking how do i beat a seven-time world champion not this is a race that's the car in front of me i need to go over i need to i need to overtake it because yeah. you know if that was a norris or a leclerc or whatever i, I think he would have bossed around the outside it's lewis hamilton he's been yeah. doing this and he's been winning like this for years and is it fair and all these people oh as you say he went to he went over the line and cheated blah 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 but it's Lewis Hamilton mm. and and to really see the fight that we want to see this is where we need to Verstappen needs to think differently like Rosberg yeah because there was that time up until 2016 or even in 2016 where every time Rosberg and Hamilton met on track you always just felt kind of comfortable that Hamilton was going to keep his head above yeah and that's what I don't want to see with Verstappen I, I want Lewis to look scared I think that all of this is actually building a world champion in Verstappen. Agreed. Because every time that he gets something pulled away from him, and whether it be a little mistake from him, or whether it's just because he's come up against Lewis Hamilton, who is almost teach teaching him how to do it, because at one point they'll be in uh, reverse positions. 
And I actually get really excited. I had this moment with Leclerc when he was in the Ferrari and there were these moments with Monaco where he was like so frustrated yeah. and it just was getting pulled away from him in Bahrain when he led the whole weekend and then had that problem and Lewis came through and won. I was actually at that race. Oh, hello. <laughs> Very exciting. Um, it's all of these little things that I think, again, it will be almost like tattooed into Verstappen's brain that in three years' time, four years' time, when he is really maturing, that's what's going to make him a world champion. But I mean, but that's what I want now. And, yeah. and maybe it's his sort of, you know, youth and madness. I don't know why I'm calling it madness, but <laughs> but that's what's going to upset Hamilton because yeah. Verstappen might just not give up. It's like, screw it, you're going to try and push me out? I'll just come past you. Yeah. And, and I think Max's argument was, Red Bull, instead of letting him through, why don't we just keep going? And yeah. I could have tried to build five seconds, but apparently it came from race control and let him back through straight away. And if you then ignore that order, I think you're going to be into a bigger penalty than five seconds. It wasn't I, up for debate. It was let him through. Yeah. But I, I, I think Red Bull called it before it came through from race direction oh do you yeah because on the team radio you can hear say him hear them saying to max let him through for now uh, okay if you go back and watch it but yeah, actually yeah, yeah. it was at that moment where max obviously in the moment had a split second to make that decision he made the decision at probably the worst part of the track where he lost a lot of time going into high speed corners which is really hard and it's also a really high part of the track as yeah, well yeah and he came into, I can't remember what turn it is, but it's that sweeping right. The front washed out and he lost oh, a lot. He, he had a massive moment there. And I think that completely threw his momentum. And that is where the race really was lost. Yeah, like Lewis, he didn't even get DRS in that bit. It was like 1.1 seconds away. And you were just like, oh my God. Yeah, no, you're right. And you know, and... Yeah, there's, there's a lot of ways to look at it. I think it is, you know, it is exciting because you say it's like the master and the apprentice. Uh, and I do really want this to continue. You know, as I say, I know a lot of Hamilton haters will be coming at me now. being like, oh, so boring. <laughs> and you know what? I kind of agree. It's boring when Hamilton wins, but not like that. Because yeah. that was a race. We saw a race and we saw to Hamilton the finish line. win. You know, Mercedes helped with the strategy. I'm, of in course, a, those I'm in a massive win-win situation here because I'm a big Lewis fan, okay. but also like a big uh, Verstappen fan. Okay. So... Whoever wins, you're happy. Whoever wins, like, as long as it's not Vettel or Alonso, I'm really happy. <laughs> <laughs> I just dropped my wallet on the floor. <laughs> oh, no, uh, me, it's so heavy. Yeah, I was like, that's a really loud noise. It's so All heavy. of your money. <laughs> so, to, yeah, to touch on this, I mean, we kind of have, but yeah, you know, very, very impressive. A, a champion's drive. A, a bit boring that, you know, the news, the headline is Hamilton wins yeah, again. Yeah, you know? I think anyone that didn't watch that race saw Lewis wins the opening season, they'll be like... <gasps> I'm not watching it yeah. season. And I know a lot of, you know, he came out saying, I hope that proves, you know, I'm, I don't always win in the fastest car. And Mercedes were keen to make that point. But of course, then all the haters said, well, yeah, but you cheated halfway <laughs> through the race. So, you know, yeah. it, it is what it is. But it was a great season opener. Yeah. You know, and Bahrain that, delivered on a great race. Uh, and I think, you know, we've got a lot of potential ahead. Imola next will be very weird. Not a track necessarily great for overtaking. Very different setup, different, different formula. It's also three weeks away. It's all really, yeah. <laughs> which you know gives me time to find another guest, but uh, <laughs> um, gives us time to yeah just sit here chewing on our fingers, going when's the next race? Yeah. Um, but yeah, lots lots to be excited about. So let, let us know your thoughts below. Uh, if you're watching here on YouTube, comment what was your highlight, what was your favourite moment, who was your driver of the day, etc. I think Perez was officially driver of the day, which yeah, kind was. of felt uh, right. Um, and 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 who are you supporting? If it's going to be Hamilton versus Verstappen, I feel like Verstappen fans are going to be well. Let's what see. What was really interesting is I tweeted who's going to win the race yeah. on Twitter obviously because yeah. I tweeted it and Verstappen was numero uno I did the same on Instagram stories and Lewis like mm. so it's more about your audience than uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you're listening please uh, make sure to subscribe whether you're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever it might be uh, normal episodes with Tony our weekly car chat episodes will of course continue and this F1 series will be back in three weeks or just under three weeks time uh, for the Imola race do, reaction. Do you know what we didn't talk about? What? Safety car, medical car. Mm, mm. The Aston, oh, bore off. Mm, mm. I'm not a fan of that. You still want to buy one? No. Still want to buy one? Sure. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, we'll catch up with you very, very soon. <laughs> Goodbye. Oh, is that the end? Yes. Oh, sorry, I ruined it. Bye-bye. <laughs> 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.